What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number six of the He Said, She Said podcast. I'm your co-host, Reality Steve, along with Ashley Spivey. Ashley, how are you? I'm great. I feel like we're really hitting our stride with these podcasts now. I know. Number six. And Woo. we're basically doing, we're definitely doing it every two weeks. So just put it in your calendar. Every every other Tuesday, there will be an episode up. If you want to be part of a future episode, email myself, email Ashley, and we we'll will set work, it up. Yeah, we'll set it up. We just You just need to have a Skype name. Tell us what time zone you're in and what times work best for you to record, and uh, and we'll go from there. We actually have a backload of calls that we haven't recorded yet of people that want to come on. So, But some people's schedules work easier than others, so we might record you and then not run your call for two episodes. So just we just want to get as many calls in as possible, and then we work around that. And we usually have two to three calls per episode, uh, depending how long they go. Today's episode is... Of the six episodes that we've had, I'd say it's probably one of the more intense ones. For sure. And you won't get that probably by the first call, just because my ignorance on dental dams is <laughs> shows brightly in that call. What? Not only that, but I, I feel like uh, I was just talking to Steve about this before we started recording, but... I feel like something that's important to say about this episode is a lot of times we're not going to have all the answers. Um, I, I think in this episode, that's a little more apparent just because these are two serious topics um, in terms of STDs and your sexual life after that, and then suicide and depression. Um, so I, I feel like it's important to say that we're not always going to have the answers, but I feel like what a lot of times people want when they call in is they just want someone to talk to. And if we don't always have the answers, at least we're providing them with someone to talk to. And uh, yeah, this is just, this is a tough episode. We've gotten, I've gotten an email from uh, the callers from this episode after we recorded these saying, thank you for letting me talk. It felt good to get it off my chest. I really, you know, I appreciate you guys just being there to talk to. And yeah, I don't think we necessarily have definitive answers for, for somebody that's going through what they've gone through. Both of these people. I mean, neither of us have an STD and neither of us have, um, well, I, I haven't contemplated suicide. Uh, I never got to a point where I was that depressed. I don't know. I know that you, I know you've battled, so I don't think you've ever, gotten to that point Ashley have you I mean I've had some pretty dark times um I mean I almost feel like I think I have been in that place where I've contemplated like I mean should I just do this like just because I feel like the pain is too much but I haven't gone through like making a plan or something like that so I've I've been in a dark place, um, like one of our callers, but I definitely have not attempted suicide. Yeah. So and our second caller, April, obviously when you listen to her, she's been through a lot and she's going through a lot. Sounds like she's a little bit better now than she was I think it was about a year ago or fifteen months ago. So yeah, this one is uh it's pretty intense. Like I said, the first call is a little more I mean the topic is serious in S T Ds, but then I ruin it with my lack of. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
don't think you've run. I think, I think your viewpoint is important too, because I think that people do have a lot of questions or don't necessarily know a lot about STDs and the way you still can have sex, even if you have them. And, um, I think that's important. It truly is a, he said, she said episode. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, I laugh. It was, it's probably the first call in six episodes where we get a good laugh in about my ignorance on something because we, de- <laughs> we definitely, we definitely laugh in this one because I'm clueless. I'm, I'm Googling stuff as we're recording it and looking at stuff for the first time that I've never seen. And I'm looking at the wrong image. Uh, I'm looking at dental chairs and stuff like that. And people sitting in a, in a dentist. I think office. it'll be, it'll be a very Googled term. Yeah. After the podcast, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, we've got two uh, two calls of very serious nature. Uh, the first call with Courtney uh, talking about the fact that she was given an STD by an ex. And then April, who is suffering through a lot with her marriage and her kids and what she went through uh, about a year ago. So uh, without any further ado, uh, let's get to it. Her name is Courtney. She is in the lovely city of Atlanta, a place I've never been, so that was just me kissing up to your city. Courtney, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hi, Courtney. Hey, hey Ashley. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So tell everyone your story here, Courtney. Yeah, I'm just going to jump right in um, to kind of give you a little bit of background. So my last relationship was like a three-year ordeal. <laughs> with um, someone who was and is a sex addict. And the reason that I know that he was a sex addict is um, he cheated on me quite a bit. And um, to his credit, while we were together, he actually pursued 12-step recovery and like kind of did the best that he could. But there was a lot of lying and a lot of cheating. And so kind of a traumatic situation but um okay, courtney, one of the hard- courtney real yeah. quick i want to step in yeah. and say something this is going to sound totally ignorant uh-huh. um and i just i guess because i don't really know the answer um does sex addict mean he just likes having sex with a bunch of different women or is it he yeah. constantly needs it from the person he's with or is it both that's, yeah that's a really Good question. Um, it can be both. It's like any other addiction. Like it can look really different for different people. Okay. Um, so for a lot of sex addicts, like it's not really about the sex. It's more about like wanting and needing validation from a lot of different sources. So, gotcha. so um, for him, it was a lot, a lot of like texting and online stuff. Um, he did cheat on me with a couple of my friends, so mm. that was really hard. The um, sex addict also meant porn addiction. Yeah, it, okay. exactly. Yeah, it usually for most people it starts as a porn addiction, and then later becomes um, like acting out with other people or doing online stuff, that okay. kind of thing. Okay, sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah, I know it's a good question because I think a lot of people don't know about it and don't really understand it, um, and for partners of sex addicts it can be super traumatic to be betrayed you know as much as an addict can betray you so um but as part of his addiction he lied to me about having been tested when we first started dating and 
and um, then and kind of manipulated me into not using condoms anymore. Um, and he didn't know that he had herpes. And so he gave me herpes. Um, so that's something like once the relationship ended, I had to kind of process and deal with like, what does dating look like now that I have herpes? So, um, kind of fast forward that relationship ended earlier this year and I only recently started dating again and met this really wonderful guy um, at a party this summer and we hit it off and our communication was great. And I told him about the fact that I had herpes and he responded great and yay, everything was going really well. Um, his issue is that he has um, pretty significant obsessive compulsive disorder. So um, his disorder, his OCD manifests a lot as hypochondria. And I went out of town for a week. And while I was gone, his OCD kind of clicked in around our relationship. And I came back and he basically had to come apart around um, not feeling like he could have sex with me, not feeling like it was safe. Um, his anxiety was just like through the roof. He's not sure if he could ever see himself getting there. He still wants to be with me, blah, blah, blah. So we've kind of reached this point of he's going to try to do therapy and work through this and, and figure it out so that we can be together. But my question is, like, is it even worth it to pursue this? Or should I just kind of cut my losses forward and hope I meet somebody who can accept the fact that I have an STD? Um, I'm gonna. I'll say that. You know the fact that you have it. There will be plenty of people that aren't cool with it, and that's just sucks. Mm -hmm. You're just gonna have to deal with that. You did find somebody who was fine with it, up until he wasn't. Yeah. You know his OCD, like you said, kicked in, and he realized. Had you guys? started having sex and then it just kicked in and he's like, I can't do it anymore. Or you guys never had it. No, we never had sex. Okay. Um, yeah. And it kind of, it was one of those things where like, it was kind of getting to that point. And yeah. I think the reality, like it becoming more real and concrete is what maybe kind of set that off for him. How long have y'all been dating? Just a couple of months. I mean, not super long. So, yeah, I, I really feel like, um, you know, herpes sexually is it, it, it as long as you're having safe sex, it, you know, he's not definitely going to get it. Yeah. Um, I think that having herpes and also with everything that you've already been through um, mm -hmm. in your past relationship, you need a partner who is going to support you and accept you. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like if he has OCD and he's already having these issues with it, mm -hmm. I, I almost just feel like it's just going to make you feel bad a lot. And I, more than like thinking about his feelings, do you know, do you want to do this to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the question I've been wrestling with. And, you know, there's, I, I know I gave just like the quickest sketch, but like, there's so much about this relationship that's so good. Like I've never communicated with somebody 
better than this. And, you know, there's just a lot of compatibility there, but it's almost like, like we each have this wall that it's just, it's never, it's not ever going to get a whole lot better, you know? Right. And one thing that, you know, a friend of mine pointed out to me was just how similar this relationship is in some ways to my past relationship. And that like, I was, I spent three years kind of waiting for this person to get over his issues to be with me. And now I'm sitting here waiting for somebody else to get over their issues to really fully be with me. And is that fair? No, no, <laughs> no, it's I know, not I say it like that. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I have friends who, who have herpes and they're, they have partners who don't have it and they're, they're perfectly fine and their partners learn to accept it and they, you know, just try to have sex on days when their partner isn't, you know, showing those symptoms and they, they are careful with using protection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know, especially like with OCD, I feel like that's like a, it's, it's more of a mental thing than a medical thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I just get this not knowing enough about it. I just get the sense that he's never going to be a hundred percent sold that, Hey, this is cool. We can do it. Yeah. I'm good. Let's just wear a condom and I'll be fine. If he's OCD that manifests into hypochondria, I just, I can't imagine this guy ever coming around and always being cool with, the sex and having sex with you and regardless of if it's, you know, showing is bad on like, I, I'm, I'm totally unfamiliar with herpes. So I apologize, but are we yeah. talking about something that like some days it's worse than others? Right. That's, I'm assuming yeah. I got that from Ashley. So, basically. That's what I took from yeah. what, what you said, Ashley. Like it's just <laughs> some days it's better than others. Um, like, so- well, you don't always show symptoms. Right. The great thing about herpes is that there is medication for it. And right. I've, I've been on medication since the day I was diagnosed. So, yeah. um, after being on medication for years, it, it significantly reduces your risk of, uh, transmitting it to anyone else right. because the virus is just so suppressed. Right. So like, I don't, I haven't had an outbreak since my first one. And like what Ashley was saying is, you know, you show symptoms during an outbreak, right. uh, when you actually have the symptoms on your skin and that would be when you're at the most risk of giving that to your partner. Okay. How, how often in the course of a month, how often mm-hmm. is it an outbreak happen? She's only had one. Yeah. I've only ever had the first one. So yeah. I don't, I, I don't have them. Gotcha. So it's been three years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for somebody who's not on medication you certainly could have one like once a month or once every few months. But as long as you're taking medication every day, it's not going to be something that's constantly showing then. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm. It's really not. And that's what's so crazy about herpes is like there's so much stigma around it. And it's right. really, it's super treatable and it's a fairly benign thing. And maybe that's like the bigger question I'm coming to you guys is like with you guys to you guys is like, how do I date around the stigma of this thing that I have now? Yeah. See, I, I really don't feel like it's that big of an issue. I mean, I, I get really bad cold sores and mm-hmm. I, I get enough grief from that just because that's something that like people can actually see, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah. I, I feel like 
Isn't it something crazy? Like 80% of the sexually active population has some form of herpes. Yeah. This is something like, it's not totally crazy. Yeah. That's, that's what's so weird about it. So I feel like I'm doing like a herpes PSA here, but like, Hey, I actually love that you're doing this. Like people don't know. Including this guy right here. I have no fucking clue. So I mean, let me educate (laughs) you. Please fill me in. Um, so there's two types of herpes. There's herpes type one, which causes, co- causes cold sores, which right, like Ashley, yeah, Ashley said like, like 80% of adults have that. And you can get that from sharing a drink or kissing somebody or whatever. That's like yeah. super common. And then herpes type two is the genital herpes, which, um, I think it depends on what numbers you look at, but it's something like one in five sexually active adults has it. Hmm. which is like if you're in a room with five people like somebody somebody in that room definitely has herpes they may not know it right. so so yeah I mean too it's it's incredibly common but I like I feel like my dating experience so far and it's been limited but has been very like too gross I can't deal with that you know well I'm curious between your ex-boyfriend and this guy how many other mm-hmm. guys did you date I mean I went on a handful of dates it wasn't, I wouldn't say that I dated anybody. Okay. But when you do go on a date, mm-hmm. what has been your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like how long do you wait to tell someone? Exactly. Yeah. What has been your standard yeah. of, <clears throat> when do you bring that up? I usually, so I don't bring it up on like the first or second date. I mean, there's just, it's, there's no point. Yeah. Um, I usually wait until there's some kind of physical relationship on the table. Like there's been some making out and you know, it looks like there's, cause I'm, I'm also not one to jump into bed with people. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just not my, my style. But yeah. you know, if it looks like there's an interest in, you know, having oral sex or having sex, like that's the point at which I would bring it up. Okay. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of funny, like how often it comes up, like on, on dates and stuff where people will make a joke about herpes or you know talk about how like oh I couldn't date somebody who has an STV like I've definitely run into that with guys who didn't know that I had it and who obviously <clears throat> didn't get to know because that was the end of that and then from that right. po- and then from that point you just pretty much end it like there's no, b- yeah. no point even telling them you just kind of right yeah just like thanks we're not gonna go any further yeah 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 I I mean, I feel like there are ways, you know, to prevent a partner from getting it. And you seem well-educated on it. And I think any um, logical person would be able to understand that. I guess, like, the thing is, like, are you okay with not having a super sexual relationship with this guy? Yeah, um, I mean, and the honest answer to that is no, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like I, you know, I, I love emotional connection and that's super important to me, but like there does come a point, I think as a girl that you just want your dude to want to bang the hell out of you, you know, right. like you want to, you want to feel wanted. And yeah. I, I think, I think what I've been in my head about is like, is that something that I'm ever going to get to feel again? Yes. Like, 
You're going to. Believe me. Maybe not with this guy, but I yeah. would think in the future, yeah. I mean, will you get guys that get scared off by it? Sure. Uh, it's going to happen. I'm sure you probably resigned yourself to that fact. But you found this guy who, until his OCD kicked in, seemed cool with it and yeah. was fine. And I just – I think you'll be fine, to be honest with you. Um, Has – has he offered to like see a therapist to maybe try to get over that for you? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, he actually um, already has an appointment scheduled for next week. And he's very like, I want to work on this. Like, I want, like, I think you're worth it. I want to try, you know, to get through this and like have the awesome relationship that we have the potential to have so that sounds good yeah but i don't know i mean i i guess too i still just want to protect you mm-hmm. and i just feel like you've already dealt with so much and maybe a guy with ocd is just as great as he is that seems to be something that's it's always going to be there with him. That's not going away. And yeah. Yeah. I think you're always just going to feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's my fear is like if even like even if he does do therapy and like come back and say, all right, good to go. Am I like that? I'm always going to doubt or like wonder, you know, in the back of my mind. For sure. I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how you couldn't. And how do we know his OCD isn't going to kick in again after you like say you do start having sex and he, you know, he goes to a therapist and he sees her and you're ready to go. And then you start having sex and maybe it's great. And then it kicks right. and then it kicks in again. And he's like, God, I just almost, he becomes so paranoid about it. It would just, right. it would kill yeah. every, it would, it would, it would kill the mood. It would kill everything. Like, and I have a feeling and sex is so mental. In. Yeah. He's going to be in his head a lot. I would think exactly. Um, so what have you guys done physically? Like, what have, yeah, with him, with the new guy, I know you haven't had sex with him, but are are you saying yeah. it like, because it's getting to that point where you want to start doing stuff or, um, out, you know, outside of making out. All right. So if you want the like very gory details, <laughs> so we, uh, I mean, we have, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll draw you pictures. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we uh, we had done everything but oral sex, uh, like up to oral sex and intercourse. Um, so like had been naked together, lots of like good manual stimulation, all kinds of fun stuff. And so over the weekend, we were fooling around, and I asked him if he wanted to go down on me because um, that's something he had talked about, like he enjoys doing. And he looked panicked. Like, he looked at me like, yeah, you know, like a look of panic, which, like, he kind of, I was like, never mind, you don't have to. And he was like, no, 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 and kind of did it anyway. And it just, it was not great. It sucked. Like, <laughs> it was really <laughs> But see, this is what I'm talking about. If, like, if y'all are both, like, in your heads already and he's yeah. just going down on you, like, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. He probably wanted to get that over with as soon as possible. I'm guessing that's why it sucked. 
I, I mean, to be honest, I think once he was down there, he had a good time. But, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but but you didn't because <laughs> you said right, it sucked. exactly. <laughs> so like his his look of panic kind of killed the mood for me. So yeah. that was that. Was it was it longer than three minutes? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I'm, no, I'm just saying because if he was panicked, it just seemed like something. Like I said, it just seemed like something he would just want to. Right, get out. Yeah, just do it real quick, just to say he did it, and like, oh, look, I'm not scared or whatever. And so, I mean, that's probably the issue, though, is that it might not even be a thing where, like, while it's happening, there's any sort of thoughts or issues, but it's afterwards dealing right. with kind of like the mental repercussions. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. My advice would be, I, I, I think you're going to struggle with this guy long term, just yeah. be, because of his issues. Uh, if he wasn't OCD and he was just hesitant because he didn't know enough about it, I think you could get through it with therapy and seeing a counselor together and just educating him more. Like I've become educated on this phone call. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it, I, I would say, yeah, I think you guys can work it out. But his OCD. Yeah. And being, uh, like you said, manifesting into a hypochondriac, that's a recipe for disaster in this situation. He's, yeah. I, I just can't see how he would ever be 100% I'm all in. As, yeah. I, as I steal a quote from Eric and Angela's relationship from Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> look how that turned out. Yeah, look how that turned out. Um, uh, yeah, I think. You know, I, I get the sense that you, you want to give them a, a chance. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're, like, completely ready to give up yet. So maybe let him go to that therapy session, see how it goes. But at the same time, I also feel like you've been through enough. You don't deserve to be, you know, feeling like shit any more than you already have for so long. And listen, like, despite... The herpes, like you deserve to get yours too. Like you deserve great sex, and like it is not the end of your sex life. And like, don't let people tell you that. Um, I feel like just you know, in the future, like always be honest with people, practice safe right. sex, and like it should be fine. Yeah, I think you'll. Yeah. I think you'll just find somebody else that is a little more suited for this situation that you have endured. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I think maybe I just needed to hear that because, like, of course, my sweet friends who love me are going to say, yeah, girl, you're going to be fine. But, like, I think I needed (laughs) to hear that from an objective party. (laughs) I mean, I just like I said, if he didn't have OCD, I'd say you'd be you'd be in good shape and you could easily work through it with him. But that's a that's a biggie because that's not going away anytime soon for him. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. But you. You need sex. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and, you need, and you need and you need a guy to go down on you that's not in a panic attack down there. Yeah. I'm not f- freaking out. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's not sexy. You, are, you guys are so right. <laughs> well, Courtney, I, I we thank you for calling in. We'll we'll check in on with you in like a month or so, and just yeah. kind of see where you're at. See if you've met anybody new. If things have progressed and you've started sleeping with somebody new, whatever the case may be. Uh, Definitely want to check in with you and see how this is going. Keep us updated. I'll give you all the gory details. (laughs) Real quick, I just want to 
I just want to say thank you for letting me talk about STDs on your show. I mean, I really respect what you guys are doing and the issues you're tackling. So I just really appreciate it. No, thank yeah, you. Thank you for talking about it with us. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is really important for people to hear. Yes. Yeah, I hope so. Including me. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate it, Courtney. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, like right. I said, we'll check in with you. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Wow, Ashley, that was interesting because I don't know much about herpes. I, all I know is I don't have it, and I never have, knock on wood. Um, I feel like you learned a lot in that podcast. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did because I didn't really know. I Like, I wasn't I, – I think I had heard – I mean, after hearing it now, I think I had heard it before that a lot of people have it. It's just not – because when you just say someone has herpes, I just immediately assume – their genitals look disgusting. Like that's the first image that pops into my head. Oh no. Yeah. I feel like there's so much, you know, bad information out there about it. And there's such a stigma. And I mean, honestly, it it's very, it's easy to prevent yourself from getting it. Even if you're having sex with, you know, the same partner a lot and they have it, there are ways to you know, prevent yourself from getting it. It's not what it used to be. And there are ways to protect yourself against it. So my question in terms of her call was, so she's got it. She obviously didn't have a flare up or whatever the case may be, but she's got it. And he went down on her. How does he not get it? Because she currently doesn't have any sores. So as long as you're not showing any sores, you're good. Yeah, I mean, unless, like, she had some, like, cut down there or something, you know? Okay. You just, you just got to be careful. And, I mean, you can use dental dams. Those are a very popular way to prevent anything from happening, any sort of Mm -hmm. transmitting. Okay. Uh. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) You're like dental, so freaked out right now. Dental dam. I, I, okay. I, I couldn't tell you what one looked like. I've heard the phrase for years, but I don't even know what one looks like. Like, what do you think it looks like? I, I don't even want, I, no. <laughs> We're not talking about it. I have no idea. I read it, like, a you're on the dam. computer. Just Google it. You want me to Google what a dental, okay. Google it. I okay. want to, like, do you want me to, get, do you want me to guess first before I look? Yes, that's why I want to hear the guess first. <laughs> A dental dam. I'm just I'm just gonna break it down into the two words that it is. It's it's something that basically like no different than a condom goes over a penis. I would think this is some sort of protection that goes over your mouth, like you're we- like um like you're wearing a mouthpiece sort of kind of. Okay, hold okay. on. Let me see if I'm let me see if I'm right. Let me Google dental dam. Uh, uh... Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. It's like a it's like a protection for your mouth. You're it like just looks hilarious. What a ten year old in sex ed. What? <laughs> you wait. You would actually wear this during. Okay. I mean, listen, I get I, it, but I might... wouldn't wear this. This is you look like Jim Carrey from The Mask with this thing on, and it's wait. Bl- what are you looking at? And it's blue. <laughs> Here, look. I feel like you have, like, the worst image that's up there. I think you're looking at the one. I know which one you're looking at. There. These. 
wait. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Look at that thing. That It's huge. Hold I, on. That, that's this like one? a <laughs> What about that one? No. That's not a dental dam. <laughs> okay, so it is, but like... <laughs> You're looking at it like with a dentist. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, that's not how it looks when you're using it, it during sex. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone that's listening right now, if you don't know what it looks like, please Google it. I mean, it kind of just looks like a giant, um, what are those, like, um, Listerine strips? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? It looks like a giant one that you place over the area you're about to. Okay, but how in the but shape. how in the world is that, that how in the world is that roughly arousing though? I can't feel I mean, nearly can, as good, right? Or I, it, it's a very thin material. Oh, okay. I mean, it's the I same see. as you it's know. You like a condom, but you're yeah. still gonna fill things. <clears throat> it's a condom for your mouth. Gotcha. The condom for your mouth. Okay. You know, you're just, you're placing it over to ensure that there's no way you're going to transmit an STD. Okay. And if you love someone, I know this like looks kind of crazy, but like if you truly care about something, which, and you know, Courtney's going to get that. She's going to be with someone that's like, listen, I want to try to have sex with you in a safe way. Like that doesn't scare me off. There are ways for us to do this. And they're going to use something like that. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Wow. The things you will do for love, you will use a dental dam. The things you will do for sex, too. That, too. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know if I'd... I can't believe I was looking at <laughs> someone sitting at a dentist chair. <laughs> I, I knew that's the one you were looking at. When you are like, it's like Jim Carrey in the mask. Uh, anyway, um... Yeah, so that was interesting. <laughs> let's let's see if our next caller can beat that one. All right, let's get to our next caller for episode number six. Her name is April. She is in Colorado. April, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. Great. So go ahead with your story. Um, I know you had briefly mentioned it to me in your email, and I know it's uh, fairly serious, so I definitely want to give you all the time you need to explain this. So... Just kind of fill everyone in on what you're going through and what you've been through, and uh, and we'll take it from there. Well, I think to put it simply, the main question is, is love enough? Mm-hmm. Um, I am married. I've been married. Uh, it'll be six years in October, and our relationship was... Um, very fast. Like what we, we met, I'm a little bit older, I guess I'm 38 now. So we met when I, we met when I was 31, got married when I was 32 and, um, just, I guess a little bit of background. I come from a, a, we, we come from two rare forms of background in my opinion, in regards to stability in our growing up life. Um, my mother, my parents, still live in the house that they brought me home from the hospital in, Mm. which I think, like I said, is is really rare. And so when I go visit my parents um, in in my hometown, 
I'm going back to the house that the only house that I know my parents in. Yeah. Um, as for Chris, my husband, um, he was the exact opposite. I remember one time his mom told me that they had moved something like 13 times within their first 16 years of marriage. Were they a military? So they, was there a military family or no? Mm. They would just there. Chris and his family, they're very, very laid back. And they, they, they just go where life takes them without really making decisions for themselves, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's where this, where this foundation of our lives is where I really question it because I love Chris and he loves me so much. And, um, and it started, so when, when we got married and when we met, he had had the same job for the same company for six years. And that proved to me, you know, that he was stable. And um, I'm originally from Nebraska. I'm sorry. He, I'm originally from New Mexico. He's originally from Nebraska. So when we met and started dating and built this life in Colorado, I thought, well, this is perfect because we'll stay in Colorado and we're basically halfway between both of our both of our families. And, um, it was great. And then about eight, nine months into our marriage, he got fired from his job. And that has basically been the pattern since we've been married. He has yet to hold a job for more than two years since we've been married. And, um, with all of this unable to keep a job, it also moved us to a small, very small town. Um, when I was newly pregnant with my second child, we have two kids and, um, I was a brand new stay at home mom with a toddler and then a newborn. And then four months after my son was born, he lost his job again in this small town that we had only been living in for about eight months at the time. And he started traveling and he was traveling because the company that he worked for kept him on to work, but now basically just traveling to different places to do his job since he lost his job in the small town that we moved for. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, it was just, it wasn't good. And I immediately was like, well, where are we going to move? Where are we going to live next? Like what's going to happen? And he would get up at like 3 a.m. on a Monday morning and drive 90 minutes to the nearest uh, airport. And he would get back Thursday evening at around 11 o'clock at night. And he did that for many, many months. And then finally, I was like, well, let's just move back to Colorado because that's where I wanted to be. You know, I had originally moved to Colorado when I was 22. And so I'd been in Colorado for a really long time and I loved it. And he didn't want to move back to Colorado and I did. And we had many, so many fights about it because I wanted him to make a decision about where our life was going to be. And he wanted basically a job to determine where we were going to end up. And he wasn't making a decision one way or the other. And I needed a decision and um, had gotten in touch with a realtor here and was like, I had a timeline of when things would need to be done if we were going to move back here. And um, 
during this time, I was extremely depressed and I, I've felt with various, I've dealt with various levels of depression my whole life. Um, but this was extreme. Um, I had told him that I was contemplating suicide. And I, I told him the whole plan. And his response was not good. Like he, 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 he didn't know how to respond. I should give him a little bit of credit, but his response was basically, I'm sorry you feel that way. Let me give you a hug. Mm. And so, and I told him he would be fine because he, 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 he had been previously married. And so I was like, you'll be fine. You'll go and you'll meet somebody else and you'll find a new mom for our kids. And, you know, life will be better. We'll be better. So um, I did get on some medication, which was helpful. And just being in a small town and just the overall awareness of mental health is just horrible. And in a small town, it's even worse. Yeah. But I was on medication. And but on, uh, one Friday afternoon, we had another huge fight. And I was like, where? Because I, because we, we had plans to be in Colorado to baptize my son. And I wanted to look for houses and he was just being very, very non-committal. And, and I was, I was just wanting answers. I was like, where do you want our life to be? Like, what are we waiting for? And he just, he didn't want to, he didn't want to move back to Colorado unless he had a job in Colorado. And I'm like, well, you can fly in and out of Denver just as easily as you can in and out of, you know, this airport that's an hour and a half away from where we live. And there's so many more direct flights in and out of Denver than, so it was just, it was a huge, huge fight. And I basically told him that, um, I was, I just told him, I said, I, I need to go fill up the tank in the car because I don't know if there's enough gas in the car for me to do what it is that I want to do. And my, and this is the other thing that where my husband just really frustrates me because there's many, many levels where I feel like he doesn't know who it is that I am. And he doesn't, he doesn't know that I'm a doer. Like when I say something that I'm going to do, like I'm going to, I'm going to go and do it. And I think he doesn't know about he doesn't know that about me. Like, I think he thought I wouldn't do it simply. And so I grabbed the keys and I left and I filled up the tank and then I got back in the house and the kids were playing in the living room with my husband and, um, I took some pills and then I went back into the garage and I sat there for a while. And then, <sighs> And finally, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And um, honked the horn, and we went off to the emergency room where I stayed. Um, and um, my mom came down because my, my parents lived about th uh, three hours away at the time. So my mom came down, and... Um, I was in the hospital for four nights. It was horrible. It was boring. And um, I asked when I could leave every chance I got. Um, 
once we got out, two weeks later was our trip to Colorado. And we went to Colorado and uh, my son got baptized and we looked at houses. And then again, on the and then um, by the time we left, he wouldn't put an offer in on the house. And the market here is crazy. If you don't know, like houses sell immensely fast. And I wanted to put an offer in on the house and he didn't. And I remember because he flew in and out of Denver to for his job that he had at that time. And he apologized. And I was like, you're not sorry. Like you don't like this is, this is my life. Like I, you're really not giving me a choice. And that day, uh, we drove back, uh, to New Mexico and I, and I was, I basically told, I told Chris at the time and my, my mom at the time that I'm going to, I'm going to move in with my parents because I, I can't live like this. And I'm going to find a storage place and put all our whole entire house into storage. And this is, this is my life. Like if I have to build a life in New Mexico, that's what I have to do, even though that's not what I want to do. Um, and that week, cause we always, you know, at night when my husband is traveling, we'll FaceTime with the kids and we still FaceTimed, but it was, there was no communication with him. Cause I just didn't want to talk to him cause I was so mad. And then when he came back on Friday, we went to go see a counselor that we were seeing and he agreed to put an offer in on the house. And thankfully it was still available to make an offer on. And that's the house we live in now. <laughs> so we moved back to Denver. Um, so when would that, that have been? A year ago, you said? A year in July. Yeah. So it's been a little bit more than a year. And how's the relationship been since last July? Um, it's okay. I mean, what scares me is sometimes just feeling like the foundation isn't there. And right now things are really, really struggling financially. Um, because after we moved here, he lost his job again in September and thankfully he found another job super quickly in November, but that job was a pay cut and he's still traveling and are you, are you uh, working not outside of the home i have an in-home uh business okay and at first it was doing amazingly and it was keeping us afloat but now but recently um not good so i'm at i'm on the hunt right now for a job um and what are the ages of your kids four and two four and two okay <clears throat> So basically, you're at a point now where you kind of don't know what to do with your marriage. I don't know. Like it's there's parts of me because I'm I'm a very visual person, and I feel like I can I can see it. I can see forever, and I can see us, you know, traveling when we're retired and having this amazing, amazing life. But then at the same time, I can also see myself moving me and my kids, you know, back to where to where I'm from, and it's hard. Cause like I said, the, the love is there. And, but that's what I, that's my question is like, is love enough to sustain a lifelong relationship? I, I don't feel like love is enough if you don't feel understood by your partner. 
And I think that's a really big thing, um, especially, you know, I have depression and I've felt a lot of the feelings that you have felt before. Um, I think that if someone doesn't respond with appropriate empathy in those situations, it is very easy to become resentful and to be very frustrated with them because I, how can you love someone that doesn't realize what you're going through? And if he loved you, he would take this more seriously. And my heart breaks for you that that was his response. I would have a very hard time getting over that. He should want to protect you over anything else. You can you can get a million jobs, but you only have one life. And he should put you and your kids before any of that. What is your biggest <clears throat> What's your biggest thing in terms of what you're dealing with him. What is your biggest hang up with him? Is it just, he's just not understanding what you're going through. Is it the way he reacts to you? Is this things that he says, things that he does? What's your biggest basically gripe with him right now in your marriage? It, his, his laid back nature and his inability to keep a job. Okay. Because because he's he's very very laid back. His whole personality is extremely laid back, and he has a very very sarcastic and witty sense of humor, and that's what has gotten him in trouble. I was going to say, is is his inability to keep a job because he's so laid back? Like he's not motivated, and it sounds like he's just kind of whatevering it through life. Is that's what keeping that's it, or is he, it, or is he just is he just getting hired by companies that are? continually downsizing and just he's getting hired by the wrong companies or is it more on him? Would you say? No, it's, it's him. Okay. It's more on him. And I, I, I've, I'm extremely, extremely upfront with him and extremely blunt with him. Like I don't expect him, you know, to read through, read between the lines. Cause I know men really can't do that. So <laughs> I tell him that like and even just recently we had a conversation because I went to go pick him up from the airport and he's telling me this conversation that he had with this coworker and something that he said and I just went off on him and I was like what are you doing I was like you can get fired for saying that and he doesn't think that he can and I said you can't think that you can get, can't get fired from that because you've gotten fired from it twice before mm-hmm. and I'm like you need and I told him and I said I think because I think part of him wants me to get a full-time job because he knows that I can keep a job yeah does he hate having a boss? I don't think it's necessarily a bo- having a boss. Mm-hmm. I think it's dealing with coworkers. Mm. And he just what? Uh, what and I, and I, and I, you have to tell the name of the company. What kind of jobs are we talking about that he continues is getting fired? He works sales, in healthcare. Or? Oh, healthcare. Okay. Well, yeah, he works in healthcare. He, his, his position that he has right now is actually unlike what he's done in the past. But in in the past, he was a director for environmental services at a hospital. 
and those companies, you know, usually are, you know, hospitals usually um, hire vendors to do those positions. And he works for these, these vendors. And now what his job is, is he, he basically still works in healthcare, but he basically installs um, sharps containers inside, you know, very in hospital rooms and hospital um, healthcare settings. Okay. Um, kind of switching subjects in, in because we haven't really hit on it that much, but how are you doing mentally and physically? Uh, it sounds like that incident you talked about was what over a little bit over a year ago. Yes, it was a year in April. What's been your mental state since? It comes and goes. Um, yeah. I had to kind of wean myself off of the medication that I was on because at the time, because I was running low. And then, you know, last year after we moved, when he lost his job, we also lost health insurance. And, um, and again, and still trying to find a good, a good therapist and a good counselor that is covered by your insurance is, seems to be like an impossible feat. Yeah. yeah. It's it's tiring. <laughs> um, what is your support system like in Denver? It's good. I um I uh, in February I uh, joined a gym that I had joined that I was previously a member of and that lately has been my saving grace cuz the kids and I have to get out of the house every day. Like that's just not an option and to stay home. So I go to the gym every morning and that's been a great outlet because I, I left a lot of friends that I had known from the gym previously. And so that's there. Um, and I have another friend who I'm really close with that our, our kids are super, super close in age. And so we hang out and I, I immerse myself, you know, into mom groups um, and Bunko and stuff like that. And so I, I keep myself busy busy, because I know that's what it is that I need. Right. Um, So, and my parents come up and visit and my in-laws actually just recently moved. I meant to mention that to you, Steve, because I know you had mentioned that on a previous podcast that you wanted to know the dynamic of having in-laws nearby. (laughs) And my in-laws just moved like five minutes away. And you get, and you get along with them. I do. um, The, my father-in-law, that's that's where my my husband gets his laid back personality. Yeah. And my father-in-law is not really serious about anything and he just kind of talks to hear himself to hear his own voice, which is annoying. <laughs> um <laughs> but I mean they're here and they're it's great cuz they'll obviously help out with the kids um but it's it's yeah it's definitely a different dynamic. Hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, I guess just, I mean, do you feel like um, you're not as maybe attracted to him anymore because of the job stuff? Have you, have you lost that or have you lost respect for him or, you know, are, are you feeling like at this point, maybe you're more of the one who is checked out? 
Sometimes. I mean, yeah. when, when we're, when we're together, it's, it's good. And I feel, you know, but then there, there are sometimes that there's moments when he says something and it seems like everything he says, I'm just gets under my skin, <laughs> which I hate to say, but it's, it's, um, and it's like having this situation of, and I've, and I've told, you know, I've told everything that I'm telling you, obviously I've told him, cause I'm, like I said, I'm very honest with him and I've told him and I said, I feel like we don't know what it's like to be in a good marriage because he, like I said, he lost his first job after we had been married nine months. Right. And, um, and like I said, since then, it's just been this, you know, crazy, unstable life, I feel. And I, I am like, I just, I want to feel what it feels like to be in a good marriage. And I feel like we can get there, but we need to be, we both, you know, need to be in a good place, you know, and my, and I, you know, my kids deserve that too. And I just, I don't know if it freaks me out thinking about all of the work that needs to be done. Right. Is there any way he would ever get a job where he didn't have to travel? Oh yes. Like that's his ideal. That's both of our ideal scenario, but yeah. you know, he just, he hasn't been able to find one. And I talked to him like, cause he's been traveling the past three weeks. He's traveling this week and he's traveling next week. And I'm like, you're at, you're in a hotel room, you know, having, you know, not zero responsibilities, but, you know, I'm, you know, keeping myself and my two kids alive. And it's, I'm like, you, you should be on the computer, you know, trying to find various jobs. And, and I think a part of it is, you know, his, you know, his resume, you know, doesn't look very good to a potential employer just because he's had so many jobs over the past six years. And so I, I don't know. Could you imagine yourself moving out and moving back in with your parents? I hate it. I hate the idea of that, but yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I really feel like in order for you to take care of yourself too, you're going to need a very strong support system with you at all times. I, I don't, I mean, I, I even think that it's such an important priority for your husband to make sure that he's there for you now. I don't know. I. Well, do you think, yeah. do you think that there's any way you would ever, what about just a separation or just the logistics of it and how are we going to deal with kids and who picks up who and all that? Is that just too overwhelming to even think of? This, yeah. Yeah. It's too, it's too overwhelming. Cause I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just really feel like even if, you know, I think you thought moving to Denver would solve a lot. But there's still the the looming 
horribleness of him having this job where he travels a lot. And I think you've been trying to say to him for a very long time that you need him there. And he's not getting it. And your your mental stability and just the stability you're craving. Like, you come from that background. I, I feel like you really need that. And if if you have that, then it's on him to make a decision. Like, you've, you've been as honest as you could be, and I feel like you've done everything that you could do at this point, and now it's time for him to do the same. When, you, when you've said stuff to him like this, what has his response been? I know he's got the laid-back attitude. He's just, yeah, whatever, or I'll get around to it. Or How does he react when you have a serious conversation with him? Is he always just flippant and, yeah, whatever? Or can you have a good heart-to-heart with him about stuff that's going on in your life, your married life, your personal life? Or is he just impossible to have a serious conversation with? No, we, we do have serious conversations and some, but I think he, he kind of has this outlook of, you know, if time passes, it will kind of fix itself. Mm. And cause he, you know, I'll mention, you know, you know, saying that we need to go, you know, we still need to find, you know, a therapist through his insurance, which he says, you know, that he's trying to do. And, you know, and I bring something like that up and he, Cause it's like, he forgot about it. Cause if so much time passes, he forgets. And, you know, or if I have a bad day and I break down and I'm crying and, um, and I bring it up, you know, then, it, then it becomes a priority, but he just, he just forgets. And we, we do have, you know, serious conversations. And like I said, I, his main solution for what's going on right now is I need to get a job and, he says, he's like, and I'm doing what I can do, you know, to get a better job for me and, you know, a job that will keep me here. And, you know, and that's what he says that he's doing. Um, and that's, and that's where it's hard. Cause it's like, do I, you know, I want to be his wife. I don't want to be his mom and I don't want to have to follow up with him and be like, okay, well, how many jobs have you applied for this week? Or cause the biggest thing that I said to him when he lost his first job, you know, shortly after we got married, I said, I said, this is what you need to do. Cause if this is, if this is the career that you want, I said, you need to read a book or take a class or something on, you know, management or professionalism or something, you know, and he says that he will. And of course, and that, that's been a sore spot because I bring that up all the time because he has yet to do it. Yeah. And, um, and, he, you know, and with his last incident at work and he was telling me about it and I went off on him and I said, you have two choices that you need to make. I was like, I've told you over and over again that you either need to be 100% professional while you're at work or if you can't do that, I said, then just don't talk to me about your work because you're bound to slip up and tell me something that, and you're going to say something unprofessional that you did and then I'm going to go off on you like I am right now. Yeah. Hmm. So, do you... Do you feel, do you feel like you could really have the time to devote to a job right now? I I almost feel like you have enough to do. I think, 
because I've I've had job interviews and I have yet to obviously get a full time job. And we've talked about that because we know that that's going to change our family dynamic immensely. Right. And, you know, I went back to work um, after I had Helena, my my four year old. And um, and I went back to work full time and it kind of worked out because shortly after I went back to work, Chris lost his job. So then he was home with her. And then um, with this, um, when I found out I was pregnant with with Bennett, my two-year-old, um, I the job that I, I had had the same job for 12 years. And um, I found out I was pregnant with Bennett. And then a week later, after finding out I was pregnant, I also found out that what my company, which is a rather, was a large company, was having a 1,000-person layoff. Oh. And shortly after that, I, f- I found out that I was one of those 1,000 people. And so that all happened. And then that's what basically moved us, you know, to the small town that we lived in for for a while. And um, and I've told Chris, I said, because Bennett, my son, my two-year-old, you know, he he only knows me at home. And of course, Helena doesn't remember me going back to work because she was she was a baby when I went back to work. And, and that's the, that's the other kind of talk issue that we talk about because it's expensive to live here. And obviously full-time childcare for two kiddos is going to be expensive. Right. I was like, I don't want to just go back to work so I can pay for childcare. Right. (laughs) You know, or if I'm just going to be bringing home like 40 bucks a month or whatever, like it has to be a significant amount of money in order for me to go back to work full-time. Right. You know, and that's the other thing where I don't really think he he gets that. Because I'm like, if, if I'm working a 40 hour work week, you know, then I'm gone easily, you know, 10 hours a day with with commute time and whatever and dropping the kids off at a preschool or a daycare and then picking them up and then coming home and eating dinner. Like our whole environment would change. Yeah, he's not thinking that through. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Well, uh, I mean, obviously there's a lot on your plate here. Uh, I don't think anything that we maybe can try and help, um, but there's a lot that your husband, it, there's a lot that he needs to do to change things. And I don't know if he's willing to, or, um, want, you know, wants to, or has the motivation to, but it sounds like that's where the everything needs to start is with him. Um, obviously you need to take care of yourself, but he really needs to kind of step up to the plate and be a husband. Cause it doesn't sound like he's doing the greatest job as of right now. Um, I think he could, I think he could improve on a lot of things based on what you've told us. Um, I, yeah, I think, I mean, in my eyes, I feel like, you are the priority here and your kids are the priority and your husband needs to step it up. And until he does, you need to think about you and your kids until then and make the right choices for you and make the right choices for them. And if he wants to come along and do that, then he can. But until then, I don't know if love is enough, honestly, because Love hasn't done enough at this point to make any of this better. 
and it's not worth it. It's not worth it for you to feel like this. Um, I feel like you were isolated for too long and not have someone take you seriously and not be there for you. So enough thinking about him at this point. (laughs) You have got to think about yourself and your kids. So I I feel like I don't even feel like I'm I'm helping at all. Like I just, I hope you know that we appreciate you even sharing this with us. And I I hope that we've helped a little bit. I hope it helps to talk about it. Um, But yeah, this is a tough one. Well, you've given me some conversation starters, which I think is good because sometimes I think it's it's tough because, like I said, he thinks everything is fine. Right. Yeah. And it. He needs to know that it's not. Yeah. I mean, and he needs to, re- like you said earlier about guys not recognizing the signs, he needs to, I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll never get good at that. Um, but if he doesn't, then maybe you need to be a little more verbal and, and tell him exactly what you're going through. If he it just seems so clueless about picking up the signs. Um but yeah, I, I think he's kind of out of touch with a few things, and um, I'd worry more about you and your kids first than yeah. than him. And I know financially, you said things are tough right now, and because he can't hold a job. How long has he been at his current job right now that he's in, or is he? Since November. Okay, so we're coming up on a year. I mean, yeah. And it yeah, pay- but it's, it's still a travel job. Yeah, it's still. And when you say travel, how many days out of the month would you say he's out of town? Um, well, like I said, he's been he was he's been out of town the past two weeks, um, and he's going to be out of town next week. Um, and prior to that, he we actually had a really good stretch where he was home for like a full month. Hmm. Um, so out of were things of, better when he was home for a month? Yes. Hmm. I think he needs to uh, – yeah, I think the talk uh, – Ashley brought this up way earlier in the conversation, but at some point he probably needs to find something that doesn't allow him to travel or doesn't – or way less than he's currently doing. Because being gone two weeks at a time and then a, a week at a time, I mean, he's being separate. I mean, your kids are probably like, where's daddy? And I just – you know – but if that's what's putting if that's what's putting food on your mouth and giving you shelter, it's almost hard to tell him like, no, you need to quit that job and find something that doesn't. Um, so it's such a tough situation because it's almost like you need to have something in place before you can go to him with that conversation and be like, you need to get out of that because right. it's hurting our marriage when you've been gone right. so much. Uh, oh, geez. I mean, April. It's a tough. Uh, it's this is. One of our toughest calls we ever had. Um, sorry to hear everything that you went through. Um, I hope you're doing better. I know you said you've had good days and you have good days and bad days. It, it's on and off. Um, you know, stay strong. And obviously, uh, you know, I, I we can't we can't share enough. It's ama- It's still amazing to me. We're six episodes into this show right now, and I, I'm still amazed by some of the things that people choose to share with us and. We can't thank you more for doing it, and I guarantee people that are listening are probably also 
um, you know, you could be helping somebody else at, at the For same sure. time. And that's all we're trying to do is help people and open people's eyes to certain situations. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, we hope for your benefit and your sake that things get better for you, uh, in your marriage and your personal life. Um, and stay on him about that therapist. Yeah. I would think that's a huge thing that you guys need to do. Um, I will. and, uh, you know, we, we will check back in with you, uh, periodically just to see how things are and uh kind of update everybody what's going on and i hope in some way we were able to to help today uh in, in such a tough situation but you know um I, good luck with everything and like i said i i hope we were able to help in some way yeah like i said there's some good conversation starters and and dif- you know different viewpoint is always good and that's that's just what I was searching for. So thank you. Okay. No, I'm glad we could help in some way. Thank you, April. (laughs) So April, thank you. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be, we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. We went from giggling profusely about dental dams to that call, Ashley. Uh, I mean, wow. Like I said it on the at the end of the call there, I'm I'm amazed at some of the stuff that people share with us. I'm glad they do. No, me too, uh, because I, I think I'm I'm just still amazed by it, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, I feel like both of those topics are so important. I mean, the stigmas around STDs, STDs and mental health and, you know, just how when someone tries to talk to you about whether it's an STD or their depression, you you have to take it seriously and protect the ones that you love. And I think in both of these situations, you know, is love enough was kind of both of the, <laughs> the situations there. Yeah. Uh, April is, you know, she's obviously going through a rough time. She's got a husband that's not around. She suffers from depression. She's got two kids. They're financially not doing great. That's right. just going to cause more and more stress. It's just, it, it's really a tough one to answer because, you know, what do you do? Um, I know you think that maybe she should move back in with her parents and let him figure his shit out before, because she's just, she's alone I think she's she alone just too needs much. help. She's alone yeah. too much. Yeah. I think she needs, uh, I think she needs a good therapist. I think she needs the actual support from her family and helping with the kids because um, she's not getting that from her husband. And listen, having two young kids that aren't going to school, it's very isolating sometimes. Yeah. And oh, that just, that situation just breaks my heart. Yeah. I mean, you don't wish that upon anybody. I'm glad she's, you know, when she talked about, attempting suicide i i wasn't sure on the time frame until she finally got around to it i i didn't i thought this was somewhat recent you know i mean not that it's makes it any better but it was over a year ago it sounds like she's doing a little bit better for herself she said she's having trouble finding new medication but i it sounded like she was better than she was a, a little over a year ago when she went through that phase and you know now that i'm thinking about it yeah, I don't know. I don't want to project anything. I don't want to guess. I, I I wonder if it was somehow postpartum set in. 
just because I think that was around the time after her child was born because her, she said her youngest was almost two mm-hmm. and the suicide attempt was over a year ago. So maybe that's what triggered it. I don't know. Um, but either way, just a tough situation all around for, for her, her husband, her children. I just, you feel for her and I hope you hope things change and they hope you turn around for her. You know? Yeah. I, I hope he, he decides to put her and his family first. And I know it's so hard with finding a job and whatnot, but at least make a bigger effort because I think even if you're making the bigger effort to find the job, that'll at least show her that he is making her a priority and their family a priority. Yeah. Let's hope he does because that he's the one that really needs to change in all this. So yeah, he needs to step it up. That'll wrap it up for episode six, a pretty, uh, probably one of our most serious ones. I would say two calls that were very important. Um, so thank you to Courtney in Atlanta and April in Colorado for those two calls today. I hope you, I hope we were able to help in some way and I hope you listeners were able to learn something from it and took something uh, from it. Maybe it somehow relates to your a situation that you're in, whatever the case may be. But uh, Ashley, good job again. Um, Thanks Steve. And, you did uh, a great job too. You learned so much. Uh, <laughs> I looked at pictures of dental dam on dental dams on Google Images. That's what I, what I, I have a feeling a lot of people will be looking them yeah, up. Too. I know. Now they're going to. Anyone that just type in the Google search dental dam and then click on images and you'll be seeing exactly what I saw, which was silliness. <laughs> people sitting in dental chairs. But uh, anyway, I need to lighten the mood after that call. Um, anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Really appreciate it. That's episode six. We'll be back in a couple weeks with uh, episode number seven. So, Ashley, say goodbye. See you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. (laughs) Uh, All right. Good night, night, everybody. Thank you all for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you next time. Bye. He's telling me no. He's dragging me down. He's leading me on and stringing around.